The text for the message this morning is Exodus 2. We'll read that together. Continuing on the series we started in Exodus, now at Exodus chapter 2. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant women, woman and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and, became, and he became her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? He answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came home to their father, Rule, he said, How is it that you have come home so soon? They said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, Then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. She gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. 
Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we've just read together Exodus chapter 2, and we won't repeat the story as we look closely at what God is revealing uh, to us, and it's good then to have your Bibles open in front of you as we consider the message that our Lord gives to us. It's very striking that the birth of Moses, as it's described in Exodus 2, is very similar to a, a legend that is found from 2300 B.C. of a little baby who was abandoned as a, as a baby in, by his own mother and left to die in a basket that was lined with pitchumen and bitch, pitch on the river. And this little baby was rescued and rose to become a great king, King Sargon of Akkad. But there is a big difference between this old legend and the story, the passage we have before us. Not only the faith of his parents who did not abandon Moses in any way, but also that we can see that Exodus 2, the main actor, the the one who is doing the work, is the Lord God. The Lord God who is referred to at the end of Exodus 2 as one who had established his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God who is faithful, a God who knows. Our, our text today reveals how the Lord was working to bring Jesus Christ, our Savior, into the world. Although God is not mentioned when we read about the king of Egypt's increasing attacks on God's people, the final verses of chapter 2 confirm that God was always there and he never forgot the promises that he had made. The revelation of the first 80 years of Moses' life is not just random historical biblical knowledge, but God himself is teaching us today about his power, about his purposes, about his love for the church. Moses is a type of Christ who reveals the greater work of God in Jesus Christ that was coming and that we experience today. When God raised up Moses to deliver his people from slavery to an oppressive government, it served as a promise and a guarantee that one day his son Jesus Christ would be born to deliver us from the oppression of sin and lead us by his Holy Spirit into a new life of thankfulness. The qualities that the Lord gave to Moses to lead can be seen in their perfect form in Jesus Christ. And when we are in Christ, we will see that the points of the sermon this morning describing God's servant also describe all those who are led by the Holy Spirit in the new life. And I preach you this gospel under the following theme, the Lord prepares Moses to lead his people to new life in Christ. We'll see in this that God's servant is beautiful in God's sight, like all God's chosen people in Christ. He's zealous for God's people, like all those who have the Spirit. And we'll see he's refined for God's service, like all who are being sanctified. We read in Exodus 2, right at the beginning, that Moses' parents were Levites. They belonged to the tribe that would later show themselves to be loyal to the Lord and would be given the priestly mediator work as spiritual leaders among the people of God. 
Although God only revealed this to the people through grown-up Moses many years later, Moses' pre-qualification for the work ahead of him is mentioned here to reveal that God has the end in sight right from the beginning. We read in Exodus chapter 2, verse 2, that when Moses' mother saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Like most mothers, Moses' mother was very fond of him. The adjective fine is a word that has the sense of good, as it is found on the day of creation when God saw that the things that he had made were good. And this little detail mentioned here seems to indicate that Moses' parents believed that God had set apart this child for special service in a special way. And Hebrews 11 verse 23 confirms that Moses' parents hid him because he was beautiful or, or handsome. That's the specific meaning of the Greek word that was given as a translation of the Old Testament word. Acts 7 verse 20 helps us to understand that the word beautiful, helps us to understand the word beautiful by teaching us that that Moses was beautiful in God's sight. Not only Moses' mother, but God himself had set Moses apart as special right from his birth. And this revelation helps us to understand that it is possible for our God to oversee all things in history in such a way that our Savior Jesus Christ could be born at the exact appointed time for him. God is seeing, he understands, and he knows, and he is powerful. And all who belong to Christ can know that they too were known to God even before they were born. And we refer to that even in the form for baptism when we confess that we believe that our children are sanctified in Christ. Just as Moses was set apart in in anticipation of the Savior, Jesus Christ, so we also as believers are are set apart and, and brought into the world by the express purpose of God in order to glorify God in his kingdom. We have a task that he sets us on. What a blessing to know that as covenant children, we are born beautiful. We are born special in God's sight, not just in the sight of our parents. It should not be lost on us as we look at Exodus 2 that Moses was rescued from death because of the motherly love of the women that God had placed in his life. Not only was Moses brought into the world by his mother who who saw that he was a fine child. But thanks to the faithfulness of the the, the, the motherly-hearted midwives who refused Pharaoh's order to kill male children, his mother was also able to hide him and then place him in a basket. And then later had the opportunity to nurse and to wean him. His sister, who was probably between the ages of of six and ten, who was watching from nearby. She was used by God also as she used her quick wit to ensure that Moses could return to his family and understand that he was a true Israelite by birth. And We also see the role of the Egyptian women, both the, the young women walking beside the river and the daughter of Pharaoh herself, 
whose natural compassion and common sense was used by God to preserve and protect the church. The account of our text makes it clear that the affection and the compassion and the empathy of mothers toward children would be crucial for the promised Messiah to come. The role of women in the history of the church and in the life of our Lord Jesus serves as a clear testimony of the fundamental role of the motherly love that's found not only in older women but also in girls in their childhood. Pharaoh had commanded that all the male children be thrown into the Nile. You can see that at the end of Exodus chapter 1. And Moses' mother complied, sort of, yet rather than immerse her son in the waters of judgment and death, we read that she placed him in a basket in the reeds, and then she waited for the Lord in faith. The word used for basket is a special word that's only used two times in the Bible. Here, and then again, in, and, and before that, in Genesis, where it's used to describe the ark, or the boat that Noah had built. As God had commanded, to do, to, uh, commanded Noah to do in the days of the flood, now Moses' mother made a little ark for her son, so that he might escape the waters of judgment. As it was in the days of Noah, so also in Moses' days, the ark, which was sealed off from the water with, with pitch, became the place through which God would bring deliverance. For God would use this same Moses, who passed through the reeds of the waters of the Nile into the receiving arms of Egypt, to later lead the people of God out of the oppressive arms of Egypt through the reeds of the Red Sea to their new life in his kingdom. Although God's servant and instrument were at the very gates of Sheol and, and of death, he was rescued from death so that he might bring God's people into life. And we could see how our text anticipates the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and the need for all believers to be baptized, as Paul says in Romans 6, baptized into death so that we too can be raised to new life. And as we look at all the details of these first ten verses, we rejoice at the revelation of God's sovereign power and His providential care for His people. The revelation of His work in our lives even today. In spite of the most severe persecution, the Lord's purpose prevailed and His chosen people entered the world according to His purpose. It gave the people of Israel hope in the promised coming Messiah. They could know that all these events that they were a part of had more to do with, than just with one nation being freed from another. And that God was bringing salvation to the world through the covenant people of Israel as he had promised to the patriarchs. We see the line of the faithfulness of God throughout history that we are also a part of today. The faith in God's work 
This faith in God's work through their own nation made the people of God see God's hand in their lives, see that he understood, and also give, gave them a zeal for their nation, for their church that had remained set apart from the world. So we see that God's servant is also zealous for God's people. Well, the Bible reveals then in the first ten verses that Moses was good and beautiful in God's sight. He was chosen. Reveals that he came from the Levitical tribe of spiritual leaders, so he was pre-qualified. That he was also raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter who named him Moses. She saw him as a son of the Nile, or, or one born of the Nile, if, if you use the Egyptian root to his name. He was the one who was drawn up out of the water, if you see the Hebrew root to his name. Well, Acts 7, verse 23, tells us that her son Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. With the Egyptians... We see how God is, is shaping his servant for the ministry of leadership. Moses gained the knowledge of the wisdom of Egypt, which probably included the study of math, science, engineering, construction, farming, business management, language, religion, and art. And I'm sure you can add more to this list. And whether the Jewish tradition that Moses became an important prince or commander in Egypt, whether that's correct or not, it is very clear from our text that God ensured that this servant would later have access to Pharaoh's courts and that he would learn how to speak to Pharaoh in his own language. And in a world where few were permitted to take, partake in the sacred art of writing thoughts and ideas down, Moses was among the privileged few who could learn to write God's commandments. Education offered even by those who don't know the one true God is not off limits for the people of God. And the Lord shows what a blessing it is when our leaders have a good understanding of this world. There is a lot that we can learn that can help us in our task to zealously serve God's people. As long as we always remember that we are called to live a different life than those who do not know God. And Hebrews really focuses on this distinction as the Holy Spirit reveals the preparation of Moses, he makes it very clear that although Moses was among the wealth and the, and the wisdom of Egypt, he did not become so immersed in the culture that he turned away from the Lord. Although, as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he had access to, as Hebrews says, the, the fleeting pleasures of sin and the wealth of the treasures of Egypt. Moses refused to deny the Lord or forget his people. We could say that once again, there in, in, the, in the courts of Pharaoh, he was, he was floating above the waters of death in the basket of the Lord's saving hand. He was in the world, but he was not conformed to the world. Moses chose to be mistreated with the people of God 
and to bear the reproach of Christ rather than to indulge in Egypt's sins. Moses understood the real question that we are facing when we face temptations to be like the world, to, to, to be immersed in the world. And that ultimately the choice is between life in Christ or eternal death under God's punishment. As we read this, we again ask ourselves, whose side are we on as we live our lives in this world? By God's grace, at some point in his 40 years in the house of Egypt, Moses came to know that he wanted to serve on the side of the people of God, of Israel. And whether it was through his own study of the written accounts of Adam and Noah and the patriarchs that the, and the promise at the end of slavery in Genesis 15, or whether it was through visits and conversation with his parents and siblings about his birth and calling, or whether it was just his feelings that he had when he saw the, the beating of a fellow Israelite, Moses became convinced that he had an important part to play in the deliverance of his people. Moses felt a zeal for God's house that consumed him. And when he killed the Egyptian who was beating the tar out of an Israelite, the word for beating is very strong here in, 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 our, in our text. And Moses made it very clear that he wanted to, to cut off all ties with Egypt and with Pharaoh. He wanted to reestablish the antithesis, the, the enmity between the offspring of Eve and the offspring of the serpent. He knew that a person cannot have two masters and he chose the Lord God of Israel as the only king he would serve. And Moses believed that the time had come to act. And he took matters in his own hand, relying on his own strength and his wisdom. And when we're tired of oppression. And when we're afraid for the well-being of God's people, we're very attracted by such zeal and such bold actions and this desire to reestablish the antithesis, that enmity. And so as we read this, we're, we're drawn into the story by, by the Holy Spirit so that we can learn an important lesson. When Moses killed the Egyptian. He was showing that he was not ready to lead his people yet. His zeal was praiseworthy, but he would not be ready to lead his people until he learned to wait for the Lord. Moses did not have the authority of office to kill that merciless slave master. That's why we read that he looked this way and, and that before he killed him. That's why we read that Pharaoh was, was so angry with him that he was seeking to kill Moses. Moses also did not have the authority or the ordination from God to, to do this, to, to kill this Egyptian or to lead the Israelites out of slavery. That's why the guilty Israelite whom Moses addressed asked him who made him ruler and judge over them. Although Moses understood his role and his, his calling, 
Moses had to learn that he couldn't serve as leader until God himself ordained him and appointed him to this task. And you could see how Moses understood this when you read Exodus 3 and 4. And he, and he constantly asked, well, how will the people receive me? How will they know that it's you that sent me? And Moses had to wait for the Lord to ordain and appoint him. And God didn't appoint Moses to this task until he learned that leaders in the church must submit to God's plan and to God's timing. Only then are they equipped with the divine authority to lead God's people with, with confidence they need when their decisions are unpopular, with the assurance that God's people will recognize the hand of God in their lives. Moses would need to face the self-imposed penalty of exile for 40 years to be further refined before he or the people of Israel would be ready. Hebrews talks about this time in exile with some detail. Explains to us, chapter Hebrew, uh, Hebrews 11 verse 27 explains that Moses was not afraid of the king when he left Egypt. He left by faith. He had not fled from the king because he was in despair or in order to flee his, his future office. He named his son Gershom, we read, which means stranger there, to identify himself as a sojourner and a foreign, in a foreign land who intended to return to his task in God's time. Then Hebrews also tells us that by faith Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. We see Moses had learned that the time of God's remembering that we read about at the end of Exodus 2 had not yet come. And if you look at those verses at the end of Exodus 2, you see that, that there needed to be some things that had to happen first. The king of the oppression had not yet died. The people themselves were not yet crying out to God for help. They were not turning to him for rescue from slavery. And Moses himself needed to be refined for God's service. Although Moses had been trying to accomplish deliverance by his own strength and in his zeal for, for the people of God and his, his love for, for the coming Messiah, he came to see that instead of running ahead of God's timing, he had to learn to say what his Lord would say so many times that his time had not yet come. Moses had been zealous but impatient. And it was God's plan to give him knowledge to go with his zeal. As Paul also talks about in Romans chapter 10 verse 2. Moses had to learn contentment. He had to learn to endure as seeing one who is invisible at work in the world. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes again to see that we are not showing trust in the sovereign Lord when we try to take deliverance in our own hands. He teaches us again to be patient, to wait for the Lord, even as he refines us for his service. Our text reveals that the impetuous zeal of Moses, so clearly displayed at, at the well in Midian, 
when he imitated his ancestor Jacob and chased the oppressors away from the seven daughters of the priest of Midian, that, that zeal that he showed that was a part of who he was was tempered by his exile in Midian. We read in verse 21 of Exodus 2 that Moses was content to dwell with rule among the Midianites who were the descendants of Abraham and his second wife Keturah and had settled around the, the two prongs of the Red Sea and into the hills of north, uh, northwest of Egypt. Ruel, also known as Jethro, would become an important figure in Moses' life. And we could see again that God's God preparing his leader for his future task. And in God's providence, Jethro's or Ruel's advice continue to inform the type of leadership in the church today. While Moses was an exile in Midian, God also shaped Moses by giving him training in family life, as God had ordained it already in, in Genesis. What Moses missed in his childhood as he was raised up in, these, in, the, in the Egyptian courts was now provided for him in his exile. In order to be a ruler and a judge among the people of God, Moses had to learn the art of working with his hands, of being patient with flocks of sheep, being married, in his case, to Zipporah, and to having children. Obviously, as our Lord Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul showed, these are not qualifications for the office, but it does show us that it is God's will that, that leaders understand the world they are in in a very practical way. God is bringing salvation to the world in the world. And as we'll see again this afternoon when we look at the incarnation of the Son of God, we see how our salvation is something that is, is experienced by us here in our day-to-day -day lives. Well, even before the words of the people of Israel's prayer was, hurt, was, was on their lips, even before the end of Exodus 2, we see that God had been preparing the deliverer of Israel that they would ask for. When the cry came to him, they were merely requesting what God had already promised and prepared for them. And if you look at the end of Exodus chapter 2, when it says that God remembered, when God remembered his covenant with the patriarchs, it doesn't mean that before he had forgotten, but it means that God then decided that his time had come to honor the promises, the terms of the covenant. When his people turned to him, when they cried out to him, when they repented of their self-confident reliance on themselves and, and, and also the gods in Egypt, then God, who is in heaven, hears and he acts. This is an important lesson for the people of Israel when they were sent into exile. The way out of that hardship was to, to humble themselves before the Lord and, and to call out to him. It is again an important lesson for God's people today when faced with hardships. The comforting message for the church at the end of Exodus 2 
is that God knows, that God understands, that he sees his people in their suffering. Suffering may well be a part of his plan for our lives, but we can also know that it is a hardship that is understood. It is a hardship that is watched over by a sovereign God who will not let it continue without his good purpose and result. A God who can change it at his will and in his time. And the end of Exodus 2 anticipates the Lord intervening and acting when Moses is called and ordained and sent as an instrument of his salvation. And the gospel message for us is that Moses is pointing ahead to the reality that we enjoy in Jesus Christ today in full measure. If you look at Hebrews chapter 3, you, you can see the comparison again in Ex Hebrews 3 verses 5 to 6. The Holy Spirit explains, Now Moses was faithful in God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in hope. The good news that Moses' life is being raised up in the world and his protection, how God protected him to lead, was that salvation comes from God. And again, we are, we are called to, to humble ourselves before this God who sent his own son to be born in human flesh, to grow in wisdom and stature, to free his people from slavery to sin, and to lead them in the redeemed life by his spirit and word. And purified in Christ's blood, we see where we stand in the world. We see that we too belong to a mighty king and savior. We may know that we are God's servants who are beautiful in his sight, who are equipped with his spirit to be zealous for God's work and his kingdom and his church. And as we are constantly refined and sanctified by the spirit to wait for the Lord, to submit to his will with contentment, and to cry out to him for deliverance and for peace in Jesus Christ. May we be faithful servants in God's kingdom. Amen. We'll now sing together.